0: Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example, that is the history of the journey of America.
2: When you consider how riveted most people were by the actions of Donald Trump for the last six years, it is truly remarkable how little attention the January 6th committee hearings are receiving when compared to, I don't know, the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. (laughs) If you were paying attention this week, You got to see the most comprehensive look inside the man's White House, his unhinged behavior, the attempts by others to snap him out of it, and his dogged determination to reject all evidence pointing to reality in favor of a conspiracy that would have fatal consequences. If you weren't glued to it, if you were too busy, if you just couldn't do another minute of listening to a group of shysters trying to spin their web, well... Marion McKeown did the heavy lifting for us this week. <laughs> she watched every minute and she can break down what happened this week in Washington in what has been what has been called, what I believe should have been called when the shit hit the fan hearings, Marion. I think that the problem here is the name of the hearings is so boring. Yeah,
1: they just sex up the name of the hearings. You're absolutely right about that. The January 6th select committee does not excite anyone's pulse whatsoever. And you know what, it just shows how much we feel we have to be entertained. Mm. You know, th- that in a way, it's like we don't it, like uh, the main priority and this is the problem I think is that the public wants to be entertained rather than informed by this they they want to find it exciting and go getting and I, I spoke with um oh god Denver Riggleman a couple of weeks ago and he said that to me he said that he's afraid that it's going to seem dull and colourless because of all the fantastic QAnon conspiracies by, by comparison and how do you compete with Hugo Chavez coming back from the grave and you know boxes yeah. of, of votes being smuggled out Germany and you know whatever like all the other shades and nonsense that were coming out so when you're looking at aridly dry facts and analysis and looking at a million pages of documents and pouring through a thousand different interviews and and that seems to be the question that because if you don't hold the american public's attention it's it's almost for naught like if people aren't listening it's like if the tree falls in the forest you know mm-hmm. and, and nobody hears it if they hold these hearings and nobody's paying attention then you do have to ask well, what what will they achieve
2: i think you're so right it is like this uh, qanon stuff is like netflix and This hearing is more like the open university on BBC2 late at night. (laughs) You're like, there's actually a university happening here. Later in the show, we will look at concerns over Joe Biden running in 2024. The world's financial markets are preparing for the sharpest rise in US interest rates in almost 30 years as America's central bank took action to halt rising inflation. We'll talk about that and Saudi Arabia and a little bit of a a uh, little bit of an announcement. This Sunday, you can hear my conversation with Porik Harrington as we go deep into his thoughts on Saudi Arabia and their involvement in golf, and how yeah. it has changed relationships between players and the public. But Marion, let's let's dig into this. The uh, House Committee, House Select Committee, investigating the January sixth attack on the U.S. Capitol. I mean, it it sh- it shouldn't need to be entertaining, but if you are are there, if you're able to sit through it, some of the stuff that's here, I just think it's it's mad that I've consumed so many books, but I still struggle to, to watch this, despite the fact that this is the stuff that wasn't in those books, the stuff that you wished. I wish I could pull Bill Barr aside and get his real opinion on this. We are getting to see that now, aren't we?
1: Yeah, and you know, I have to say, okay, maybe I'm just a news wonk. I am finding it riveting. I'm finding almost the opposite, that things that are being broadcast as news, I'm thinking, we knew this a year ago. In fact you know, so many things and, and I do remember us talking about them on the show that are being raised at the moment, specifically the whole, which we we chewed on so many times, the whole Trump grifting, the mega grift, the $250 mm-hmm. million dollars that he raised entirely on false pretext and then who nobody knows where it's gone. It's allegedly somewhere in Trump's Save America pack. He can spend it on anything he wants. And this has been treated as though this were something that people just woke up and realised. You know, when when the committee raised the, the the fundraising, the bad faith fundraising that you know was coming out of that. But I, th- there are so many things that I found riveting about this. First of all, I think. My main takeaways were are that that I think this committee has done a bloody good job and has shown incredible mastery of the facts, but also a crispness in their presentations because distilling, as I said, over a million pages of documents, over a thousand interviews, God knows what else, texts, everything, into you Know a couple of hours basically of of hearings that where the third one is is um t- on Thursday today, in fact, mm. and uh and then you know one the, the Wednesday's one was cancelled because I still haven't got a really clear answer on that, um, from the committee press people at all. Uh, Jeff Clark, it was supposed to be all about Jeff Clark. Now, just for the listeners, Jeff Clark was the Department of Justice, um, very sort of. Minor player. He was an environmental lawyer, ironically originally in the Department of Justice, and he was the guy who Trump was going to appoint as the Attorney General after Bill Barr quit. And on on the basis that this was the guy who was going to write to the the um, various uh, Attorney Generals of all the states and say, "Oh, we've uncovered evidence of some kind of fraud. Hold your fire there. Keep your powder dry. You know, don't worry about your sending back your electors, etc." Et so. So, and and he was the guy that the other uh, justice departments, like basically the whole A team, that the top layer all said, "We'll quit. We'll quit." This, Jeff Clark will not become the attorney general, acting or otherwise. And if he does, we're all quitting en masse. And that was what basically stopped Trump from, from, from. And this was the the piece of the puzzle that that I found really fascinating. And that was withheld on Wednesday. It was postponed for for whatever reason. Now there were other DOJ figures who I think were supposed to testify and maybe they weren't available. Maybe the Department of Justice is doing its own digging and wants to keep, you know, its powder dry on, on information that it's come up with. Um but I'd say Bill Barr, you know, Bill Barr didn't he it's astonishing to me, and I am jumping around the place a little bit. But the narrative that's coming out of these hearings in some respects, you know, Mike Pence is this courageous man who was so oppressed and he did the right thing and he nearly paid for with his life. And Bill Barr was a hero who resigned, you know, rather than endorse Trump's claims of fraud. And it's all nonsense. In what way? Everything is relative, I guess. So, in you know, in the land of the blind, the 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 one-eyed man is king. In the land of the absolutely corrupt and craven, the person who gets a last grasp of integrity, you know, who does the bare minimum, is suddenly this hero. Mm -hmm. You know, Mike Pence. Like, let's forget that for four years, Mike Pence trailed after Trump like a lovesick puppy, you know, like making his big puppy eyes at him and looking as though every word that came out of his mouth were straight from the gospel, never mind all the, you know, the, the slavish, embarrassing praise that he slithered all over him and and never stood up for against anything that Trump said or did, no matter how appalling it was and no matter how much it ran counter to Michael Pence's very, you know, stringent moral code. So let's leave all that aside. Mike Pence, in my view he did the minimum he did the minimum possible. He was told by the most conservative right-wing lawyer, Michael Luttig, that you can't do this. He, he was looking for ways to do what Trump wanted. He was trying to see if he could go around the houses, if he could thread the needle. And it was only when he was told by Dan Quayle, nobody's idea of a constitutional lawyer, <laughs> and this guy, Mike Luttig, you can't do this. Your role is purely ceremonial. You just can't do this. you know. And, and um, th- that he actually said, oh, okay, then maybe I won't. But up until that point, he was looking for a way to accommodate Trump. Uh, and so the the fact that, as I said, the last minute, he, he's, he didn't do something that would have been insane for him to have done, like unthinkable. The fact that he didn't do that, it, it's like, do you get praise if you don't chop off your child's head you know I mean for him to have have subverted the Constitution in the way that Donald Trump wanted him to and to have behaved in such bad faith and to have done something he had absolutely no entitlement or business doing and the fact that he stepped back from the brink at the last minute should not make him a hero I don't know. likewise with Bill Barr uh, Bill Barr didn't resign until the 19th of December at which point Trump just couldn't stand him anyway. He didn't resign immediately afterwards. He didn't resign when he found out that there was a massive, which everybody knew at that stage, that there, for weeks there was a massive coordinated attempt to find a way to overturn the election results. And when he resigned, I remember reading the resignation letter he wrote to Donald Trump, and it gushed all over him and said that he hoped he'd be voting for him again in 2024. You know, there there was no... And basically, Bill, I suppose Bill Barr was keeping all of his stuff dried. you know, so he he could sell the book. So he'd be able to write the big book and have the bestseller and, you know, launder his reputation in the meantime. So really the fact that Bill Barr is sitting around there going, oh, it was bullshit and, you know, Looney Tunes. And he also, whether deliberately or not, and I suspect it was deliberate, he gave Trump, I think, a get out of jail pass um in the testimony that was played where he said that Trump appeared to be he must have been detached from reality that you know basically he he could only conclude that that if he wasn't listening to all the people who were saying you're lost and you can't do this and you can't overturn the election uh, and and that if he was choosing to believe crazy drunken Rudy uh, instead of all of the very sober and you know analytical campaign experts the managers the data crunchers and, and as I said, he used the expression detached from reality a couple of times. Now, the whole point, if Donald Trump was going to be criminally prosecuted by the DOJ or whoever for, for any part of this, they would have to establish mens rea. And Donald Trump's defence has always been all along. But I believe that the election was stolen from me. I believed it. And almost Barr is kind of letting him say that, well, maybe he did believe it. Whereas all of the evidence, and to me, this is the most important thing, I know we spoke about this, Gerald, and and we both said we did not, nobody for a second believed that Trump genuinely thought he won. He wanted to do two things when he discovered he had lost. He wanted to burn down the White House on the way out the door. um, And he wanted to make as much money for himself as quickly as possible and line his pockets as well before, you know, while he still had the opportunity, while, while there was still a bit of gas in the tank to do so. And so this whole thing of the stolen election, and saying to everybody, send in money, send me money, we have to fight this, we have to fight this, etc. And I was getting upwards of, you know, God... Dozens and dozens remember, of emails yeah. a day. Yeah, and interestingly, some of those emails were sent in the name of Mike Pence. So again, Mike Pence, not so much the hero here. He was sending the scary emails as well. The left mob is trying to steal this election. Send your money, you know. So they all sure. But the-
2: just the thing uh, of uh, is is he detached from reality? How is that a get out of jail card? Are you saying that they they would suggest that he was temporarily insane during this?
1: Yeah, that that he was genuinely, for whatever reason, that he was deluded, that he was, you know, he was not in control of his faculties and that that's why he was listening to Crazy Rudy uh, instead of the actual experts and the people who knew they were talking about. And I think that because you have to prove prove mens rea, like it's all about his state of mind, what was going on in his mind at the time. And as I said, it seems, I think, to most people or anybody who's objective that Trump knew damn well what he was doing. The numbers didn't lie. He's got a pretty good grasp on numbers, you know, when when it suits him. And uh, he he was aware, you know, seven million votes. Joe Biden got 7 million more votes than him in the popular vote. And in the Electoral College, he got the exact same victory as Trump got over Hillary Clinton. You know, it was a big margin. It was indisputable. So, you know, all this stuff about as I said, widespread fraud. He knew there was no widespread fraud. There were 60 different cases brought. There were over 100 different court appearances. Not one shred of evidence was ever produced of widespread fraud. And yet Trump kept going and kept going and kept saying, send your money, send your money. He did not use any of that money to fight any of those court cases.
2: Before we get to that money, I want to play in a little bit of clip for here for people to understand.
1: So, uh, the president did uh, get rid of Team Norble, and I'd like to play a clip showing that the president found the people he needed to perpetuate his claims of fraud. They saw a big truck bringing
0: in 100,000 ballots in garbage cans, in waste paper baskets, in cardboard boxes, and in shopping baskets. And every single one of them was for Biden. Because they were being notified by Smartmatic in Frankfurt that Biden was way behind and they better come up with a lot more ballots and we can prove every single thing I just said. If you gave me the paper ballots, I could probably turn around each one of these states. I'm absolutely convinced if you if you let me examine each one of those ballots, I pull out enough that were fraudulent that it would uh, shake the hell out of the country
1: it can set and run an algorithm that probably ran all over the country to take a certain percentage of votes from President Trump and flip them to President Biden, which we might never have uncovered had the votes for President Trump not been so overwhelming in so many of these states that it broke the algorithm.
0: What they were proposing, I thought was nuts. And the theory was also completely nuts Right. I mean, it was a combination of Italians and Germans. I mean, different things have been floating around as to who was involved. I remember Hugo Chavez in the Venezuelan, she has an affidavit from somebody who says they wrote a software in, and something with the Philippines and that, just all over the radar. Did you ever share, Mr. Kushner, your view of Mr. Giuliani? Did you ever share your perspective about him with the president? Um, I, I guess, uh yes tell me what you said basically not the approach i would take if i was you okay and, and how did he react how did president trump react when you shared that view with him uh we said you know i i i, I have confidence in rudy i think i had conversations with probably all of our council who are signed up to assist on election day as they um disengaged with the campaign the general consensus was that um, the law firms were not comfortable making um, the arguments that Rudy Giuliani was making publicly. I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be a part of it, and that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did.
2: Okay, so that I think is just a very powerful piece of clip that they played this week. Like they put, to- I didn't put together that montage. The committee did, and you know, Marion, there was a tiny bit of me that thought the irony of them suggesting that like he's like a man in a casino that they just needed to get him into the fresh air for him to. Uh, see the light when it was quite obvious as you said that there was no light here it was just stalling tactics and uh, attempts to stay in as long as possible and fleece people fleece this maga following like fleecing is a word that's come up a lot this week and as you said the suggestion the suggestion that this is news i i wanted to put to you that You've said many, many times that the only thing that people truly get is their pocket and their understanding of how uh, this is affecting me, uh, putting gas in my car, or my ability to go out on a Friday night. Was there part of the reason why this stressing of uh, $250 million raised uh, for this fight the lie stuff to trying to kind of explain to the general public the the real day-to-day reality of money was also taken from people's wallets in the name of this conspiracy.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think that they, and I hope they do get that across fe- effectively. I think they did, a, they made a good start on that. Because the points were that overwhelmingly, I mean, you had a couple of the crazy billionaire donors throwing in money as well, um, like the heirs of Publix who paid, you know, who stumped up for Kimberly Guilfoyle to speak for two and a half minutes she paid her like sixty thousand dollars that was one of the things that came out that the rally on the ellipse and at the on january 6th the the trump rally that preceded the the riot uh kimberly guilfoyle introduced uh don trump jr i think she's she spoke rather she shrieked (laughs) she's got she has a tone (laughs) and it's very high um For for two and a half minutes, she picked up a cheque for $60,000. Thank you very much. Um, And this was part of this huge... Donald Trump raised $100 million immediately after the election by telling everybody the election was stolen, it was the biggest con on America, et cetera, et cetera. But most of that money did come from small donors and it kept coming in because he kept saying, we're fighting this, you know, we're doing, we're, we're, we're paying for recounts here, we're paying for court cases there. They paid for none of it. They paid for none of it. He stiffed Giul- Rulli Giuliani, mind you, I don't blame him having witnessed Giuliani's performances up close. I wouldn't have paid him if you were my lawyer either. But, you know, he stiffed Giuliani and, um, and he didn't pay for any of the recounts. They were paid for by the secretaries of state and, and you know, in the states themselves. They they had to come up with the funding for those. Uh, he didn't even, and this is one of the things where he's been calling the January 6th, the, the 800 people who were arrested and held in prison. And, you know, many of whom have been sentenced deservedly. He didn't hand a cent. For any of their legal fees. He didn't help any of them out. Now that was something I remember talking to people, um, God, it was in North Carolina not that long ago. And they were they were Trump guys and they weren't happy about that. They weren't happy that that see their buddies were in jail in, in Washington and that Trump hadn't lifted a finger to try and help them with bail or to try and do anything, you know, to support them or their families. So, but mm. meanwhile, as I say, there was this figure, this 250 million, and it, as far as we know, we know some of it went to the Trump hotels for some kind of merchandising. We know 5 million went to the event planners for the, the January 6th rally, and we know that the rest of it is sitting, just resting in his account, uh, which is uh, the Save America pack, which is all Trump's. It's a Trump creation, and there's no supervision how any how over how any of that money is being spent now one of the things that could happen is you could ask because i remember in the very small print when they were and again, I think we spoke about this, he was banging on about, we need money, we need money to stop the steel to fight these cases. And then in the very, very small print, and, you, you know, if you're if you were just reading your texts or your emails, you wouldn't see it because it was so far down the end, it said, this money may also be spent on other, you know, matters, you know, basically, we like, reserving a discretionary right to not just spend the money on fighting the steel or stopping the steel. Um So I assume he thought that would give him some legal cover. But the fact is that this could be construed as mail fraud and wire fraud and, you know, as a kind of a consumer fraud, because people were sending in money in the belief that that Mm. money going to be spent on fighting, you know, on stopping the steal, which was what he was telling them on, on fighting this massive fraud. Um, in fact, none of the money was spent on that. Now, I suspect most of the Trump supporters don't give a damn if it was spent on that or if he's put it into his, you know, or if he bought himself a new gold-plated toilet with it. I think they just wanted to give Trump their money. Really? Uh, and, yeah. I, you I really I, think they, w- they wouldn't care? I mean, I think that they think that once he spends it on getting Biden out, once he spends it on keeping this war going, you see, my, my thing with Trump has always been that, you know, not that he knew he lost, but I think that as I say, he wanted to burn the house down. Uh, you know, uh, when he had to leave it, he was going to burn the house down. And what I meant by that was he wanted to cast so much doubt on Joe Biden's victory. He wanted to just trample and basically crap all over that victory and make it, you know, one that would he would just sow as much doubt as possible in everyone's minds that Joe Biden's presidency would not be seen as a legitimate presidency. There would always be the question mark around it. He basically just wanted to screw things up for Biden as much yeah. as he could while lining his pockets.
2: Sure. And just in as in the same way as Hillary pointed out, when he didn't win a Golden Globe, he just took a crap on the Golden Globe so that anybody who won a Golden Globe, their achievement was diminished. Exactly. It is a pattern for behavior. And I wondered, yeah. though, Marion, whether they should have just left the money thing to one side, because to me, that's such a serious allegation and it's such a huge component to this. Does it distract from what appears to be their game plan, which is to prove he had the motive, he had the capacity to incite violence. There's loads of examples of him doing it. And people acted on what he said. The money thing is so big and such a huge other thing. Is there a part of you that thinks, just don't distract from what the, the thing is here. we were talking about January 6th, We'll leave money for another day.
1: Uh, No, not really, because money was part of his motivation. He, like I said, as I said, the only way he could make a huge amount of money in a very short space of time was to, as I said, to gin up everybody and get them all stroked up and 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 get them sending in money right. because he knew he was on the way out the door. So I think the money goes to his motivation in in like it wasn't just a big lie; it was a deliberate lie, and the, you know, and it was a deliberate grift. He was yeah. fleecing people while he still had, you know, the, the ability to do so. It was his last bite at the cherry, basically.
2: Sure, and them sending money was further proof of what they were willing to do.
1: Exactly, because once he was out the door and once it had been established conclusively that not only did he lose the White House, but he also lost Republicans the House of Congress and the Senate, like he lost, he, he he was a total busted flush. I I suspect he thought, "Geez, I'll never be able to raise another penny now." You know, so I may, I may as well like make hay while the sun is shining. So I think the money is a very important part of the whole thing. I really do, and um, but I think that you know it's it's um you you do need to see that bigger picture. And I think to make Americans, and of course. There's a deliberate strategy here as well, I would suggest, in saying to Americans, look, this guy is a crook on every level. It's not that they don't know it, but this guy is a crook on every level. He knew he lost, he knew this was all a scam, and he committed this this financial fraud as well as a fraud on democracy, as well as, as I said, being quite happy to absolutely you know, upend and destroy American democracy once it suited his own ends. And uh, this is not a patriot, this is not a guy who should ever have been president. I think that the, what this committee wants to do, and I think it is political to a degree more possibly than it should be, but I understand understand it is they want to try and make sure that Trump doesn't run in 24 or that if he does you know there's going to be that people are kind of going to go oh Jesus yeah maybe Mm. you know and and I think that that is part of the motivation to set the whole thing out and and to say look this is the picture it wasn't just this it was this as well and this hand washed the other so I, I do think that was a part of it.
2: Well, 20 million people watched last Thursday night. The question Mm -hmm. NPR put out was how many people will be following and taking in the material themselves rather than through their preferred ideological source of information. There's five more hearings to come, including, as you said, today. Uh, I just don't know. Will it be like that Netflix series that you start but don't finish? It's certainly the the analogy still stands, Marion. It's if you were like you, a complete news nut, you're all over this. But I just wonder if it's just if it will sustain the interest for the duration of the time.
1: it's hard to tell because, and, and the point about the news is that basically Fox News is pretending it didn't happen. They're showing it on Fox Business or something where they've got about three viewers. Right. So so th- so any any of the Trump supporters who would be watching Fox or Newsmax, they're not seeing it at all. So it is the MSNBC, the NBC, the, you know, the, the the what Trump would call the lamestream media and PBS who are showing this. You know, so in a way, it, it, the committee may be preaching to the choir. But it may also be preaching to um, our, our, you know, m- people who. Who were not anti-Trump necessarily, but but who were concerned and disturbed by what happened on January sixth. Who were concerned and disturbed about the lies and the the violence and the, the depths to which he would stoop just to stay in power, like the, the, his willingness to just behave like a despot, to behave like a Duterte or a Putin, you know, or, or or an Orban. And I I think that the you know there were people who were disturbed by how close American democracy came to basically imploding, mm-hmm. and 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 so I I think those people may be be listening in. But also, in a way, it is like a whodunit because even the stuff that keeps coming out, like you couldn't make this up. One of the things that I'm finding fascinating, well, there are two other things. Um, We've spoken about Ginny, Ginny Thomas before. She's Clarence Thomas's wife. Yeah, um, by all accounts mad as a box of frogs but an absolutely like very extreme right wing woman and she and Clarence Thomas and they call each other their best friends and blah 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 etc etc he is a Supreme Court justice she was sending texts it turned out not just to Mark Meadows to try and figure out a way to overturn the election results they were her words she knew that Biden had won but she wanted to figure out a way this is a Supreme Court Ah,
2: there, that's the end of our episode on the free platforms. If you'd like to come over and hear the rest of this discussion with the brilliant Marion McKeown, come on over to patreon.com forward slash
0: Irishmanabroad. There's a further 30 minutes in this conversation. She's got so much more to say about the committee and also about Biden running for office, the chance that he won't run again in 2024. And lots lots more, including her recommendations for what you should be watching this weekend. As I said, Porig Harrington is
2: on the show this Sunday. Uh, you don't want to miss this episode. And the only way to hear the full thing, the full extended cut. I mean, we did two hours
0: discussion with him. The full thing will be up on Patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. So consider coming over there and supporting our show today. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America.
1: A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You
0: encourage espionage against our people. You condemn.